If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's a hot time. We had a hot time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. I'm excited to bring you today's chat, and I'll address in advance that there are a few minor audio hiccups during the interview due to these usual streaming snafus we've all become accustomed to. I am so ready to add the human part back to connection. I'm beginning to request in-person interviews again. We'll see how that goes. And no, I don't ask people if they're vaccinated. It's not my business. Seems completely inappropriate. And I'm pretty sure it's a HIPAA violation. I didn't think about it or I would have asked today's guest her thoughts on the subject. Dang it. Heather Manis RN is a native New Mexican and registered nurse specializing in all aspects of medical cannabis care. Nurse Heather began her career as a registered nurse providing psychiatric home health care to patients in New Mexico. She has extensive background and experience in natural healing modalities and herbal remedies, some of which she obtained from her close association with Hispanic and Native American healers in New Mexico. Heather is a co-founder of Cannabis Nurses Network, the group leading a revolution in healthcare through the acknowledgement, care, and feeding of the endocannabinoid system. The mission of Cannabis Nurses Network is to empower nurses through education, opportunity, recognition, and advocacy. Nurse Heather and I talk about the importance of education, the role of the cannabis nurse, the entrepreneurial opportunities for nurses in the cannabis industry, and what the Cannabis Nurses Network is doing to facilitate those endeavors. Nurse Heather gives us tips for talking to our doctors with confidence and the importance of having access to cannabis for end-of-life care. But first, a word from our sponsor, MJ Relief, the muscle rub PhD formulated for what aches and pains you. This week, we'll hear Larry's story of relief. My name is Larry Upton. I'm a 54-year-old age group triathlete. I live in Boulder, Colorado. I'm here to tell you a little bit about MJ Skin Relief. Uh, It's a CBD-based ointment that's used for pain relief and for general joint flexibility. Um, I've got a knee that I had operated on a couple of times back during my 20s. 
recently fell down some stairs. I guess I'm getting old and um, uh, wound up with a medial collateral ligament strain. Um, my friends at MJ provided this for me. Comes in an attractive package. Smells really good. Just a tiny little bit is all you need. I apply it about three times a day to the affected muscle here. You rub it in, give it about 15 to 20 seconds. A good rub there. You don't have to press hard. Then wait, and over about a 30 to 40 minute period, you'll feel the pain gradually dissipating in your knee. Uh, I've been using this now for a couple of days and have found that if I apply this first thing in the morning, again, mid-afternoon, and then at night before I go to bed, I'm seeing considerable pain relief and just overall improved flexibility in this joint. So first time using CBD, ideal for athletes, especially we older athletes and just the aches and pains associated with our joints. And um, I really like it. Works well for me. So um, check them out. Website, mjskinrelief.com. Joanna over there will take really good care of you. And uh, I hope it goes well for you. Thanks. If you're feeling Larry's pain and want some muscle and joint relief of your own, head over to mjskinrelief.com and order a tube for you and another one for your favorite athlete. That's mjskinrelief.com. The Sustainability Roll-Up is presented by OCB Rolling Papers. In perfect harmony with natural, sustainable practices, it's always been the OCB signature to provide the highest quality, responsibly sourced, and sustainably crafted rolling papers. We've discussed before that hemp biomass will soon overtake the cannabinoid category as the industry frontrunner, bringing us responsible solutions for rethinking our country's infrastructure, from building materials and fibers to paper and plastics. While at the NOCO Hemp Expo, one very exciting topic came up during a hemp supply chain discussion about the impeccable ability of hemp to be a pollution solution. One hectare of industrial hemp can absorb approximately 15 tons of CO2. One hectare is almost two and a half acres, or 107,000 square feet. So in that space, industrial hemp can absorb approximately 15 tons of CO2, making it one of the fastest CO2 to biomass conversion tools. Hemp begins sequestering carbon the moment it is seeded and is the perfect carbon sink because it absorbs more CO2 per hectare annually than any other commercial crop or commercial forestry. Carbon sequestration will become a huge revenue stream while cleaning up our planet. I learned that as humans living and working in our day-to-day -day lives, right now we put 45 gigatons of CO2 into the atmosphere. To get to carbon neutral, that number has to get to zero. And there are only so many tweaks you can make to cars, trains, planes, factories. You get my drift. Biological carbon sequestration is a much faster and more effective means, trapping the carbon in the soil. During the talk at NOCO, Stephen Gluckstern, founder of Santa Fe Farms, shared an interesting comparison. One acre of hemp and one acre of Amazon rainforest sequester about the same amount of CO2. The key difference is the acre of rainforest takes 12 years to grow. 
The acre of hemp only takes about four to five months. When the crop is harvested, the hemp can be slow smoldered, not burned, to create biochar. This charcoal-esque product can then be mixed with other nutrients and returned into the soil through regenerative farming. According to a paper provided by Holland Ecosystem Consultants, hemp might give as much as 13 tons of charcoal per hectare annually, which would triple the output of other popular biomass crops. That said, both the act of sequestering carbon through farming the hemp and creating biochar will provide additional revenue streams for our hemp farmers while making the world a better place. Our friends at OCB understand the importance of a sustainable supply chain. Unlike most other brands that buy their paper from a third party, all OCB papers are plant to puff. OCB makes their own paper from their mill in Evian to the factories they own in Perpignan, France, with all fibers and packaging material sustainably farmed from within a 500-kilometer radius. Organic hemp by OCB is very slow-burning paper made from French-grown organic hemp farmed in Champagne, France. And it's one of the strongest, most sustainable papers on Earth. It's responsibly harvested, chlorine-free, dye-free, bleach-free, GMO-free, and vegan. You'll love OCB even more because they make no-tear, even-burning rolling papers with natural, always-sticks acacia gum, grown in African fields that OCB has been reforesting for decades. Of course, you must be 21 and older to buy OCB rolling papers and to follow at OCB underscore USA on social. Now, if you're a grown-up joint rolling novice, I invite you to learn the craft alongside me. The Roll With Me video series will launch on the Casually Baked YouTube channel this month. I'm lining up my industry buddies from genetics geeks to Emerald Triangle farmers to cannabis attorneys. So go ahead and get your rolling supplies ready by visiting ocbusa.com backslash baked to get four booklets of OCB and a rolling tray for only $4.99. This bundle is worth 20 bucks and is around for a limited time. But the rolling skills and street cred we'll earn together, my friend, makes this bundle priceless. As for you OGs rolling your eyes at me right now, I challenge you to sample the entire line of OCB products and let me know your favorite. Ask for OCB wherever you buy your papers. You'll find links to the OCB special offer as well as an interest form for joining me on an episode of Roll With Me in the podcast 182 show notes at casuallybaked.com. If you're a can of curious nurse, this podcast is for you. It's also for those of you finding your voice around the cannabis for wellness lifestyle. Maybe as a patient, you want to engage your doctor or nurse practitioner in dialogue and you want to feel safe doing it. You will appreciate this chat. So medicate your way and settle in, my friend. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine. Nurse Heather Manis, thank you so much for joining us on an episode of the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today, Joe. 
Yes. I love what you're doing at the Cannabis Nurses Network. And I think the best place for us to start out would be with your roots in New Mexico, how you got started um, as a nurse there and and working with the indigenous healers. And I feel like that probably led you right down this road. Yeah, it's interesting. I never went to nursing school to become a cannabis nurse, first of all. Um, but I was blessed to be born in an area rich with a lot of different culture. And I was integrated into that culture and taught by Native American healers and Hispanic curanderas and really just taught the ways of the medicine that grows in our area and how it can be used to benefit the community and their health and what things were used for and when they bloomed. And so I had this really vast uh, traditional herbalism background before became a nurse. So I knew that there were ways of, that nature could heal us. And I brought all that with me as I became a nurse. And it wasn't until I was a nurse and working with patients, specifically in like the home health psychiatric world, that I started to realize how many patients were using cannabis. And that's really what sort of opened up the door for cannabis nursing for me way back when, 12 years ago. So I've, I've been in the cannabis industry space as a cannabis nurse for 12 years. So tell me what that landscape looked like 12 years ago when you dove in. Well, in New Mexico, we actually passed a medical law in 2007. And so by 2009, it usually takes a couple of years till you really get the regulation set and you start to see businesses open from the time it's passed. And so by 2009, um, I was part of a board of directors for a nonprofit producer is what they're called in New Mexico. But basically, it's a vertically integrated system. So you, you can do everything with that license from cultivate, manufacture and dispense. And so my role at that point was to help patients access safe medicine um, I was making medicines because I had patients that were really sick and smoking cannabis wasn't an option for them. So way back then, all we had was flour and occasionally some hash or keef. And for most patients, they needed something more. And that led me to um, actually ask our Department of Health director of the program for Medical Cannabis Patient Program. I said, we've got these patients that need smokeless alternatives. What do we do about that? And he literally told me, um, Heather, we haven't really thought that far ahead. Uh, you're going to help us figure it out. And I'm the kind of person that loves a good challenge. And I did. I figured it out and was the first to have a licensed facility to manufacture products and started creating smokeless alternatives in New Mexico and subsequently did the same thing in Arizona. So I've kind of spread my knowledge around to a few different states over the years. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, the biggest roadblock is always education. And it's the education that the patients need. It's education that the lawmakers need and that the community needs. And ultimately, too, like our doctors. And so nurses play such an important role because there's so much that they do for us that doctors can't. So tell me a little bit about about that role that you play? Nurses are, we are patient advocates. We are educators. A lot of times we can be a liaison between a patient and their doctor, specifically in the home health setting. 
Um, and so it's really important for nurses to. Hey, music lovers, the Canna Mom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom built one of a kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. Be aware of what's going on. And, and I always say that I learned about cannabis as medicine from my patients. And it was just had other knowledge, external knowledge about plant medicines that left me open to actually hear from my patients and be able to have some curiosity that really sparked that conversation. Once I realized patients were using cannabis, I just started asking during part of my assessment, you know, you always have to ask, do you use any illicit drugs or alcohol, you know, drugs or anything that's not prescribed? And I started to ask, and do, or do you use medical cannabis? And just by asking that simple question, it opened up a whole new world for my patients to have that way to, to speak about it, to converse. Because what I found is patients really want to talk about it. It, they want to talk about how cannabis is helping them. Yes. And health is not so open. That's true. You cut out just a little bit um, on that at the end. But at the it's a lot, too, about the language that you use. Just like you said, I have to ask if they use illicit drugs. But the fact that you change that wording around with the cannabis and call it medical cannabis, and it invites someone to be honest and authentic with you. And, you know, I lived in Texas for most of my life, and I was always very open with my general practitioner, and he knew that I consumed cannabis daily. And, you know, people are like, I can't believe that you tell your doctor that. And I'm like, I can't believe that you don't. So will you talk a little bit about the importance of having that open dialogue with your, you know, doctor or nurse practitioner about what you're actually consuming? Yeah. So uh, sometimes what you'll get as a patient when you talk to your doctor, it'll either be one way or the other. They'll either be intrigued by what you're saying. They'll understand the endocannabinoid system. They'll understand benefits of cannabis and they'll talk to you more about it. The other side of that coin is that they're not educated about the endocannabinoid system and stigma still runs deep with them. So when they have a patient that will disclose that they're using cannabis, they might actually document that a patient has cannabis use disorder. And so a lot of times patients are a little bit hesitant because they don't know which side of the fence their doctor falls. And so th that's where a lot of the or they're afraid to talk to their doctor about it because they already know 
you completely froze up. I froze? Yes, you were. And you were just talking about what is your advice? What do you know? How do you help patients get to that point where they understand where their doctor lies on that subject so they can responsibly answer? Yes. So I always tell patients to find article or some kind of a, you know, something that's talking about your disease process. If a journal article would be best, go to pubmed.gov and just look up your condition and put cannabinoids in there. And typically, if you can take in just a little research article to your doctor and don't expect an answer right then, just say, hey, I came across this and I wanted to see what you thought about it. Can I leave it with you and talk to you about it during my next visit? But not being confrontational, but just being open in dialogue to say, hey, I saw this science. How do you interpret this? And a lot of times that can open the door. I like that. I like that answer a lot. And you can do 10 minutes of homework when you're just like, hmm, interesting. Will you tell me more about this? And allowing them to still be the quote unquote authority, you know, even though we all have sovereignty over our own bodies and health and wellness choices. But yeah, I think having that relationship with your doctor that you're really confident in that like that's an important relationship in our lives and so you know being able to find a doctor that you know fits your vibe and your health lifestyle um is important do you have any recommendations on how to find that yeah so with the network we definitely have articles that are written by nurses and so they are in a way they're written in a way that are understandable and digestible they're not super long scientific journal articles they're just very pinpointed information that nurses would share with one another and it's also good information for patients go to the Cannabis Nurses Network and find one of these articles, print that off and take it to your doctor and see if you can start to open that discussion. Yeah, I like that. Now, a lot of you nurses are also entrepreneurs. And so I also wanted to just spend a little time talking today about the opportunities for nurses. So nurses that are curious about cannabis or maybe their state isn't legal yet, but they're wanting to tee themselves up to be ready for that when when cannabis is legal in their state, you know, what is the Cannabis Nurses Network doing to help organize that opportunity for nurses? Yeah, we do a lot. And so the mission of the Cannabis Nurses Network is truly to empower nurses through education, opportunity, recognition, and advocacy. And our goal is to help nurses in their professional development within the cannabis space. And there's a ton of opportunity for nurses. They can meet with patients directly and help do patient consults or be a cannabis coach for patients. They can be an educator in universities. They can take on education roles within their facilities. They can be politicians or regulators or advocates in that way. There's so much that nurses can do. You can take the route I took and get involved with the state licensing and get your own dispensary or your own cultivation going, make products, you know, really get involved with the business and the industry. What we've seen is a lot of nurses when the big craze hit several years ago, that a lot of nurses felt safe enough to say, Ooh, CBD, I want to offer products to my patients. And so 
some nurses are simply just selling CBD products. So really it's, it's wide and vast with between hemp and cannabis, what nurses can really do in this space. And you have the free info and resources on your site, but y'all also offer coursework, right? We do. And so part of what we do for professional development is we actually do a speakers bureau training program. We're in the middle of a class right now where we take nurses that are interested in improving their speaking skills, public speaking skills. We help them and then give them an opportunity to really exercise and practice those skills through continued education programs that we then offer to all nurses who want to get to know more about the endocannabinoid system and cannabinoid therapeutics. And all of those programs are available to nurses who join up with us. And we have a very robust network where we do a lot of interaction. We have a private space where we can communicate with one another. And it's really grown over the years. It's, it's a really special place for nurses. I like that. Now, you were the founder of this network. Am I correct? I was a co-founder. So in 2015, we started with about eight nurses. And by 2017, we were up to, we actually officially founded the Cannabis Nurses Network with 40 members. And we're upward of over 500 members now. And these are all nurses that are wanting the support in their business endeavors, in their education endeavors. And we're all here. We root each other on at the Cannabis Nurses Network. One person's success is all of our success. So that's really our focus. Do you share case studies with each other to, you know, just kind of help round out these conversations that y'all are each having with your different patients? Absolutely. We host roundtable discussions with nurses where they can talk about what they're doing, what they're seeing. We host webinars for nurses that have really exceptional uh, case studies to discuss or topics that are special to them. And so, yeah, we we do a lot just making sure that everybody is communicating with each other and, and we know the good work that's being done around the, the world, really. Yeah. And you're also really instrumental in the legislative work. You know, y'all do a lot of advocacy work. Tell me a little bit about what y'all were doing with the Senate Bill 311 here in California. Yes. So a couple of years ago, Jim Bart contacted my husband and I and said that his son had just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and asked if we could help him get some cannabis medicine. And we activated the network. We were able to get him care and cannabis. He was in the hospital. Um, and they had an issue where that hospital said no cannabis in this hospital. So we had to move him. We had to find another hospital that would allow him to have access to cannabis. And he lived out the rest of his life, which was only a few weeks after diagnoses. But he was able to actually be present and alert and so that he could converse and spend those very precious last moments with his family, his wife, his friends, his parents, his son. And cannabis was a game changer for him and his quality of life at his end of life. And so we started two years ago, we submitted Ryan's bill 305 when the first time around, we made it all the way through all of the processes and it got to the governor's desk. And even though Governor Newsom signed several different pieces of cannabis legislation year, he vetoed Ryan's law. And so this year, last year was out because they weren't doing anything, COVID took over. 
But this year we submitted again and it's making its way through right now. And we're asking for everyone to please let Governor Newsom know that this bill that would allow patients in California is their cannabis medicine at the end of life in their facility, whether it's a hospice, a hospital, a, a nursing home, that this is passionate care um, and quality of life. And, and we need this bill to go through and become law here in California. Absolutely. And there were a couple of little spaces where you cut out. And so, you know, for the, the audio podcast later, it's we want to make sure that any patient in California, no matter what facility they're in, whether or not that facility believes in cannabis or not, that they have the right to have that at the end of their life care. Is that correct? That is okay. it. You said it beautifully. And I'm sorry, I cut out. <laughs> That's okay. It was just a couple of key words that I was like, I need those. So what about other plant medicines? You know, here in California, the, you know, entheogens are decriminalized in the city where I live in Oakland. And that's something that the state is considering as well. So as they become more mainstream for medical use, like, you know, microdosing psilocybin or ayahuasca or something like that, where will um, the cannabis nurses network, will they absorb the other plant medicines in? Yes, and we're already doing that. Um, we actually had a shaman from Peru that spoke during our conference last year. We had a curandera from New Mexico that spoke last year. So we definitely incorporate those indigenous medicines that are sacred ancient plant medicine that are, it's now reawakening um, where our spirits, our bodies, our, our beings are calling for this plant medicine to reawaken us and help us through this next phase. And it's really important that we keep the culture of these indigenous people intact. And as we see medicine starting to take over where it's clinical settings for treatment, um, I stand on that line of saying not too fast. You know, we have a lot to learn from traditional healers and we cannot eliminate them from this discussion. We have to include, incorporate and, and create a complementary experience for patients as they begin to tap into the magic and the power of all sacred plant medicines. Amen. Absolutely. I agree. And, you know, you had such an early um, introduction to all of these plant medicines when you grew up in New Mexico. When was that first introduction of knowing that plant medicine was as much an option as Western medicine? I don't ever remember a time of not knowing that plants were precious, special, and having relationships with them. So a lot of the things that I'll talk about is ethnobotany, which is the relationship between people and plants. I have always had relationships with plants. And so learning some of these more powerful, sacred medicine plants, um, that just kind of came over time as part of my rites of passage sitting in ceremony um, of these cultural experiences. And that's one thing that I, I want to stress is that these cultures, these plant medicines are used to help nourish and support and keep the, the community healthy, not just the individual. And so a lot of times as we start to transition where we're doing it just one-on-one, -on -one, uh, those are individual experiences we can have. 
But when you have the singing and the drumming and the dancing and the fire and all of the plant medicines in ceremony, it takes on a whole new experience that in my belief cannot be met simply by sitting in a clinical setting um, and ex- and experiencing these molecules. Yes, I totally agree. I'm just smiling. You know, it's this idea too about, you know, you can... I lived the last year all alone, not hanging out with anybody. I'm here. I survived. But I sure as hell had a more fulfilling life when I was in community and with nature and, you know, going out and doing things. So sure, we can survive, but we're interested in thriving. Absolutely. And we're going to see this whole, you know, one of my focus typically in mental health is stress disorder. And I always reframe post-traumatic growth is what we're striving for. You know, you don't have to live with this post-traumatic stress disorder. You can actually thrive through post-traumatic growth. And I see that so many people have experienced this trauma through this COVID lockdown in so many different ways that we need this period of post-traumatic growth and being able to not just survive, but thrive. So I love that you brought that up, Joe. That's so great. I love that post-traumatic growth. That completely reframes it. I volunteer mentor for SCORE, an organization that helps small business owners. And in a session this morning, I was telling a, a young entrepreneur that There is a Rolodex of perspectives, and it is our job to just keep flipping until we find the one that serves our higher good and our purpose. And so when you say post-traumatic growth, that's I've had the visual of my, you know, Rolodex flipping through my head. It's really good. Um, it's all about perspectives, right? Yes. So, you know, your your background was psychiatry, doing in-home health stuff. Let's dive a little bit more into the plant medicine for our mental health. What are some of those suggestions or things that you've learned during your career that would be beneficial to share? You know, it's interesting when you talk about mental health and cannabis, we'll just focus on cannabis, um, that the mental health community isn't quite on board right? They, they feel that it's substance use disorder or cannabis use disorder. Um, and and they're, they're a little bit slow to pick up on the fact that cannabis works to help balance our endocannabinoid system. And we have these responses throughout our entire brain and specifically in the areas of our brain that control our memories, our fears, our happiness. Um, and so it's when we're talking about mental health, you'll hear, oh, be really careful if someone has schizophrenia, they can't have THC. Or if someone has post-traumatic stress disorder, only an indica, not a sativa. And so there's a lot of discussion that goes on with that. But this is what I've found over 12 years of working with mental health patients. Every single person is different. CBD is going to work great for some people. It's not going to work as well for others. And um, THC may not be needed for some patients, but it is essential for another. You can have two PTSD patients that they require different varieties of cannabis. And so really the way that we approach it or that I approach it is you are on a cannabis journey. 
You have to find what works for you. And so my role as a nurse would be to teach how things work, why they work, and how out safely. And once a patient has that information, they get to go on a fact-finding mission for themselves. And this is their journey where they get to find what works for me. And this is so counterintuitive to what healthcare is all about, where we give you a prescription and say, one pill three times a day, do it like this. It's a different mindset, but what it's doing is empowering patients to get in tune with themselves, to start to learn what their body needs. And there's a term called interoception. And that is basically a word that means you're listening to your body. You can hear what your body wants and and you're giving it what it needs. And I believe that cannabis helps us become more in tune. And if we don't have a lot of external pressure, like a doctor saying don't use it or family members that are judging you or a job that's at risk or police knocking at your door, if you have all those exterior um, stressors kind of put to the wayside and you empower a patient through the use of cannabinoid therapeutics, They will find their sweet spot. They will find balance in their life and their quality of life will increase, whether it's mental health or physical health or whatever. Um, And so that's kind of what I've seen over my 12 years in this space. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Now, you're helping patients with their cannabis protocols while looking at the other medicines they might be taking. So, you know, y'all have a really critical role in helping patients get to that place of empowerment, I would say. Definitely. And when you're working with a patient as a nurse, we all, what medications are on? I always came from the, from the perspective of, okay, what are you on and how can cannabis help get you off of them? Um, but always then saying, if you're going to titrate down off your medications, have those discussions with your doctors. Nurses don't typically do that titration, uh, but we can be that liaison to say, you know, communicate this with your doctor, let them know you're seeing these benefits and you'd like to stop taking that medication and, and really helping to keep a robust conversation going. Yes. I like that because it's almost like you're their health coach preparing them for their doctor's appointments. You know, it's just like studying for a test. What are the key points I need to remember? And, you know, how do I communicate this effectively? You brought up a great point about there are interactions too with some of these medications. One of the things cannabis does, it lowers blood pressure. So if you're on a blood pressure medication, helping to keep your blood pressure lowered, and now you're adding cannabis, your blood pressure is now getting extra lowered. So what we say is, you know, you may want to talk to your doctor about reducing the amount of blood pressure medication that you're on if your cannabis use is consistent and keeping your blood pressure at a healthy rate. Um, So that's one instance where we want to make sure that we know what patients are on so that we can help um, keep the medication and the cannabis ratio appropriate for the patient's health. Yes. Now I just have a curious question. I find a lot when I smoke, if I'm just working, all of a sudden I get kind of cold. Is that because of the blood pressure thing that I get chilled? Yes, your your blood pressure is dropping a little bit. And so you just need to, you know, put a coat on. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. I mean, sure. I wear a sweater. <laughs> 
Yeah. And another instance of it too is, you know, patients that are on um, opioid medications, for instance, if they have chronic pain and they're on opioids, they can start using cannabis, whether it's THC varieties or CBD varieties. And a lot of times what they'll find is that they just don't need like that. If they're, you know, taking four pills a day, they may only need three pills a day. And so it helps to feel more empowered because one of the worst things someone can feel is like they are addicted to or dependent on a pharmaceutical medication, specifically with chronic pain. They just want to be out of pain so they can live a better quality of life. And I've seen cannabis be introduced and help to reduce those pain medications to the point where it's manageable for the patient to have a better quality of life. Last week on the podcast, we talked with Denny Cipollini. He's an amputee who became addicted to opioids for 28 years and finally started incorporating cannabis into his life for pain management. He did a what I think is crazy and just after 28 years was like, I need to feel what it's like to get off of these things. So he just went cold turkey and detoxed that way. But now he doesn't need them at all. He's able to completely manage his pain using cannabis. It's amazing. I love those success stories. And yeah. I've heard those and seen those. And it's really wonderful because we all know where this opioid epidemic has led us. I've lost a nephew myself to um, this epidemic, and and nobody should have to lose a loved one to addiction or dependence on a pharmaceutical medication. Absolutely. If there are nurses out there that want to get involved, expand their cannabis education so that they can go out and become an entrepreneur in their communities, how do they find you and get started? Yeah, come and visit us at CannabisNursesNetwork.com. That's where you'll see all of our public information. Um, if you really want to be part of the network and explore that aspect, you can go to our private membership, which is CNNMembers.com. Join up. We'll welcome you with open arms and you'll find your new cannabis nurse family there. Awesome. I love it. Well, Nurse Heather, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share or is important to round out our conversation for today? This has been so much fun for me, Joe. Thank you. I, we could go on and on, but uh, we'll leave next time. All right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out on the podcast. Let me check the sh uh, notes and see what we have here. Peter is one of our Casually Baked Tribe members in the UK. And he says, we have the new CAN card. My doctor um, flat out refused to send my medical records for registration. Doctors definitely need an update here. It's counterproductive. He says, hospitals can use opioids but not plant medicine. It seems ironic. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening in each of our, each state has their own hurdles to jump. And then as a country, and then, you know, this just is kind of happening all over the world right now where everyone is trying to figure it out and get it right. And the thing that we all need is more education. So thank you for what you're doing to educate nurses to then go out and do what they do best and freaking nurture communities and help doctors be better at their jobs. Yeah. And I just want to end by saying one thing that this whole cannabis industry, this whole cannabis movement, this is 
a patience movement that started years and decades ago. And as advocates fighting for their own rights to be able to feel as best for them is what has led us to where we are today, but we're not there yet. So if you're in an area where your doctors aren't being open, try to help them understand about the endocannabinoid. It is the 12th human body system. We did not learn about it in medical and nursing school. And that's part of what we need is just to have patients say, hey, what about this endocannabinoid system? And start that conversation. Now, I'm not saying it's up to patients to educate their doctors and nurses, but definitely advocate for yourself and come at them with some strong information that cannot be disputed. And every time I talk to a medical provider and I talk about the endocannabinoid system, before I leave the room, I say, and now I know you're going to go Google endocannabinoid system because that's where it starts. Yes, absolutely. Start the dialogue. Thank you for that. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for another podcast. If you found this conversation enlightening, please share it with your favorite nurse. And while I think about it, go ahead and send it to all the other healthcare professionals in your life. I mean, simply starting the conversation still seems to be one of the most powerful things we can do to activate change. So go for it. Share away. If you want to dig a little deeper, find helpful resources, and learn more about Nurse Heather and the Cannabis Nurses Network in the podcast 182 show notes at casuallybaked.com. And if you're picking up what I'm putting down, help spread the message far and wide, my friend, with a five-star rating and review of the podcast wherever you listen. And be sure to ask your Canna Curious questions through the website where you can DM me on social. I'm at Casually Baked on Instagram and Facebook. While you're there, feel free to support my other small business by giving at MJ Skin Relief a follow. And if this podcast continues to inspire you week in and week out, I hope you'll share it with your smoke circle. Thanks for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.